All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, alongside, as always, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. How you doing, Angie? I am great. It's so much easier and more fun to go on this podcast after a win. Oh, how long has it been since it's we've been done that? It's been a long that? time. I mean, I'm not even going to count Idaho State. Let's go back no. to the conference win. That was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. It was ASU, that night game in, in 2014. It was 12 straight. That's right. ASU was a top 25 team, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. It was that night game. I can't believe it's been that long, but holy cow. We were on this podcast last week, and you and I both had oh, Oregon had State. Blowout. Yeah, getting blown. I think we both had like 40-something to low 20s or teens. Yeah, I think I was 48 to 14. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Hey, I'll eat crow. Well, yeah, eat some crow. I'll eat some crow. Let's do it together, because i am be honest with you. Outside of maybe the hardcore fan who's always going to be optimistic, which is there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think even Beaver fan that's not overly optimistic saw that performance coming. No, especially after what we had seen, you know, Colorado, Boise State. There, there was no way that was coming. But um, what a fun fun thing. And, I mean, Brian, I don't know if you were there or saw it. I mean, just the jubilation and the excitement, not only on the players but on the coaches. Coach Anderson, mm-hmm. that, that whole Coach Anderson looking at the camera saying, you know, how about those eat. beavers? How yeah. about that? How about that? About that? <laughs> so, uh, that was that was pretty fun. And uh, and but you know what? I will say it was a little bizarre seeing the the locker room scene and no hip hip hoorays. Yeah, always a little different. But you know what? It's okay. We move on from the hip hip hoorays. Uh, I wasn't there, unfortunately. My cousin. I don't know if I said this on the last podcast. Uh, and I apologize for it being a little shorter than some of the the usual ones. But on the last podcast, I um, I may or may not have mentioned. So my cousin's a U alum. He went there when they won the national title. He just had perfect timing in his life, and he hadn't been to a U Dub game really since I think '93. And he hit me up a long time ago. Said, "Hey man, haven't been to a game. I've wanted to go to a, the U Dub Oregon game for a while. It's in Eugene." And I said, "You know what?" I don't like. I don't really care for either. I'm really indifferent, but I'll go with you. So I committed to it a couple months ago. We ended up getting some ticks. We went down to Eugene, and I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was following the whole first half of the Oregon State game on my phone, and the entire time, I'm just like, I'm stunned. I'm floored. I'm like, I can't believe that they're winning 17 to 10 at the half. Like I just couldn't believe what my phone was showing me, which by the way, anybody questioning how do you go to a duck game when there's a a Beaver home game? Let me just preface this by saying my cousin's a UW alum. I was rocking an Oregon State hat in Odson. So nice. I was and, representing. And that was actually an awesome game to be at, I have a feeling. Uh I'll tell you if you're a UW fan, it was a ton of fun. <laughs> and it was funny cuz I want to get this in real quick before we get into maybe breaking down the game a little bit, Angie. So we went to a bar in Eugene after the game because we were really hungry. And I'm sitting down. I basically was able to watch mid-third all the way to the end of the game. And we're enjoying some some pops. We're enjoying some food. And I'm rooting for the Beavers. I got my Beav hat on and a white T-shirt, nothing fancy. And there's a lot of Duck fans in this bar. And I'll be honest, Oregon State won the game in overtime on the Daryl Garrettson uh, touchdown run. I went up in the bar, middle of all these ducks, and I screamed, Yeah! Go Beavers! And I started like (laughs) clapping really loud. I forgot about my surroundings, and I stopped. And I go, oh no. And I look around. Three duck guys come up to me, big dudes. I'm like, I'm going to get beat up by college kids. This is going to be a terrible story. They stopped. They gave me high fives. They said, you know what? At least your team still knows how to win. Our coach sucks. I'm happy for you guys tonight. (laughs) So I will say, usually a bad reputation, yeah. 
really nice. good outcome uh, in Eugene, but it was really fun to watch that Beaver game in a Eugene bar on a day that the Ducks lost 70-21. to 21. Yeah, yeah, I would not want to be that coaching staff right now. Oh, I wouldn't either. No way. Especially the next day when you have, um, you know, some of the freshmen on the team, like, calling out older guys for not giving it. Their, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a dumpster fire down there. But let's talk, Brandon, what was your favorite, or what did you, were you most impressed with with that Beaver win? Um, I got to be honest with you here. So I think the easy thing to say, and it's okay if you say this, I, I don't mean to set that up and sound <laughs> like I'm trivializing, you know. Uh, Your line? I'm not taking anything away yeah, from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rushing game has to be most people's, right? Like 474. A no, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. That is a, as Kyle Whittingham put it, that's a Navy or Air Force amount of rushing yards you run for. And I didn't see Ryan Nall going for 221. But what surprised me the most, the defense. And and let me tell you why. Webb, Davis Webb didn't do anything. And California is traditionally a really good passing team. Now, I know they gave up 44. I know they gave up 24 in the fourth. But this is a really young inexperienced team learning on the fly and they held Davis Webb to 113 passes yards, picked him off and no touchdowns. I was pretty damn impressed with that. Yeah. I mean, Tristan Baku had amazing, he held uh, Chad Hansen to 24 yards receiving one of the top receivers in the country. So he, but I, you know, I'm going with the easy pick. I, I am going with the offensive line. I was so impressed after all their struggles. They look like they have gelled the holes. They were opening up were unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very impressive. Yeah, and, and that's a thing that I think a lot of people going forward, and we have some some damn questions we'll get to a little later, uh, but just just the ability of that offensive line to create that space. And Ryan Nall is a good running back post-contact, very physical player, um, but y- you need a really good, steady, consistent push on that offensive front if you want a guy to go for 221 on 14 carries, by the way. Yeah, 14 yeah. carries and 221 yards. Garrettson, 105 on 10. Uh, Art Pierce had a good game, 13 and 58 and a touchdown. To do that, that's not just the running back. The offensive line, who has been much maligned this year, deserves a ton of credit. And, and you know, I'm going to give – I actually watched this game three times. So um, I watched it twice. I watched so, the second half, and then I went home, and I rewatched it on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. So we watched it Sunday and then Sunday night again. Um, how about the wide receivers, too, and their blocking? No doubt about that. Uh, Seth Collins looks like a linebacker in yes. a wide receiver body. I mean, so Ryan Nall's big, long um, touchdown run in the start of the second half. Mm-hmm. Seth Collins came out of nowhere and, blo- and blew some guy up. And then just the, the team aspect, I, Victor Bolden came from complete other side of the field and caught up. I mean, he wasn't needed, but he was there just in case he needed to, to uh, block a guy right at the end. But just an all-around team team effort. And we didn't even see one of the Beavers' best players in Nick Perebski. Yeah. No, and I think that's – that. look, Nick Perebski has been money. He's always going to be money for them this year. That's a good thing. We don't want to see Nick Perebski. We don't. We, we don't. <laughs> we want to see that offense getting first downs and putting points on the board. I'm glad you brought up the wide receivers, though, because when I rewatched it on Sunday and you watched the first half all the way to the end, that really did stick out. Now, the numbers yeah, – are- it didn't stick out to me at the, at, when I watched it the yeah, first time. Exactly. But I'm with you on that. getting home and watching it, I was like, whoa. I mean, I actually was like rewinding it a couple times and – um, actually showing my eight-year-old who plays football, you know, what to do and what not to do. The proper blocking techniques yes. and how to stay active. And and that's where I'm with you, Angie, was, you know, Victor Bolden, the four for 28. Seth Collins had three and 20 and some change. Like, they didn't put up gaudy numbers. They didn't do a lot in the passing game. Uh, Daryl Garrettson actually didn't have a good night at all. But, 
You know what they did is they stayed involved. And I think that is the biggest thing. That's something that Gary Anderson has been preaching about is we need guys that want to step in and they want to play. And that doesn't just mean being what your your position usually asks you to do by being Victor Bolden and having 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. That is, all right, it's not going through the air. What's a way that you can contribute yeah, how can to we this help? game? Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was so important for the way that they were able to establish those long runs. And I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out because you're right, Seth Collins looked good. Victor Bolden was active. Like, they just looked like a hungry team. Yeah. And after that Colorado game, that felt good to see. Yeah, because that could have gone another, you know, it could have gone the other way. And you could have had guys moping their, and dropping their heads and, and not. So the fight was there. And, uh, you know, I, I've been on a couple different radio shows. I was on your show earlier in the week. And mm-hmm. um, I was in Salt Lake City, on a Salt Lake City radio show, too. And I think for the biggest thing for the Beavers right now is they needed that confidence. But it also goes to show what the coaching staff has been telling them for a year and a half. And it, it validates what they've been doing. I, th- I completely agree with that. Um, and I think it's really important, too, to add on to that. It's important for Gary Anderson and this staff. You know, we all love him. We all, you know, we don't love and love him, but we, we love him as a head coach. <laughs> you love him, love him, Brandon. Yeah, you know, I, I think I love and love him. After that whole, uh, go Beavers, how about that? I think I'm in love. But no, we I think we like the idea, love the idea of him being the coach and trying to build this thing into the way that he kind of foresees it in the future. But you always you also want to see the results, right? You want to see the change or the the occasional show up. And and I thought going into this, they got beat down by Colorado. Cal, I knew they were coming off a big win, but they're such a good offensive team. It was tough for me to see them bouncing back in this game. I, I kind of looked forward to the Arizona game more. But to watch the response, I mean, he's been preaching, we got to execute, we're not that far away, trust us. The players showed it. They, they, they were right. They were proven right. Like, they weren't as far away as we thought. Cal, to me, is still a good team. I know that's a bad loss for him. They're still a good team in the Pac-12. I thought it's money. I thought it was so big for them to have that performance, to bounce back with that coaching staff. Uh, I think it just goes into a deeper level of showing you how committed the players in this team is to what Gary Anderson and that staff is preaching. And, and youth, you know, I mean, we had another freshman, Joa Robinette, burned his red shirt and played. He started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw Joa in on so many plays, so fun to see. And this week we probably will see a couple more freshmen, um, Andre Hughes-Murray and uh, Shamaya Whitson, it sounds like, will be playing this, this week. So um, I know there's a question about some of that down the road, so we'll get to that in the questions. But yeah. um, the youth, and, and I, I we've had this discussion in the Lodge at Beaver Blitz, yeah, it's great, a win, but you have to remember where this team is, and you can't be down on them if they have a bad game. You know, this is this building step is, you know, a huge step forward and, and a step back possibly, you know, and it's going to take a little time, but I think it was a huge jumping-off point. Yeah, I thought that was so important for them, and, and you know, seeing the growth going forward too, like the, maybe the Utah game, which we'll, we'll talk about a little later on in this podcast, maybe the Utah game is a game where maybe they come back to earth a little bit and – I know the weather's going to be bad, but you're playing on turf, so it's really not going to be too nasty in terms of the field you're playing on. Um, but Utah's a very, very good, they're very disciplined team. I talked to Kyle Whittingham today uh, on my radio show as we record this on Thursday, and I think they're going to be pretty focused coming into this thing. Oregon State played them pretty damn tough last year at Utah. So you know maybe it's not going to be this next game that they instantly bounce back and continue to compete. Uh, they're still not... 
they're nowhere near where they want to be. You know what I mean by that, Angie? And, and oh, completely. I think that's an important thing to always keep in mind here is the wind feels so good. It does to talk about this on a podcast and not talk about, hey, Colorado won by 100 points. It feels great. But let's also keep in, in, in sight that the team's not that great. They're not where close to where Gary Anderson wants to be. They're going to lay some more eggs as the season goes on. But it's continuing to watch the guys you point out who are burning red shirts or the young freshmen who have been playing all year or the transfer kids who are going to be here for two seasons and to see what their development is going to be like. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think Coach Anderson has you know, said that this week. I, I saw an interview somewhere with him, and it, um, it actually was probably at our practice, the practice interview that we mm-hmm. had with him on um, Tuesday. But um, talking about somebody asked if this was a signature win, you know, pro, and he said, well, no, it's a win. And, you know, there's many more to come. Yeah, I think I saw that, too, and I, th- I think you're right. I think that was from practice, but I like that attitude. I, I mean, is that that's not is that not the best attitude to have about it? Like, it's a great win. He's clearly fired up about it. The team was fired up about it. But you also have to rein it back in, focus, and say, look, that's a good win, but I don't think California is necessarily the measuring stick for where you're at yet. Now, next year, I think it's going to be more of a next year thing, personally. But at some point, when you beat a, a program that's in higher stature in this conference, Cal's not quite there when they do it. And, and Kerry Eggers told me this. He said, you know, when Riley came to Oregon State, it got a little better in 90, 97. 98 was the game-changing year, and it was the Civil War. When they beat the Ducks in the double overtime, was it 44-41? Um, the 90s- But if you remember before that, they went down to Stanford – and, and took one down at Stanford. That no, was a huge win too that year. No doubt about it. But I, I was just hey, saying, Civil like, War. No, that that is the win. That is the win. Yeah, that I think yes. stands with so many people. Is this is the turning point? Yeah, like you're not 28 years in the gutter now. You have made it. Like you mentioned, the Stanford win and the Oregon win. I still don't. I don't think Cal's there. And I like that Gary Anderson was willing to kind of admit that, even though he knew how big of a game that was for his team. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Daryl Garrettson because Garrettson was coming in with a lot of question marks. Uh, I assumed if this thing got ugly, he'd be yanked again for Blount. Uh, Garrettson, not a great day. He was 13 to 24, 85 yards and two picks. Um, but what did you think about his game overall? I, I thought it was, I think he managed the game well, and I think he did what he needed to. Several of those runs he had were actually designed runs, but several were also, you know, op- read read options. So he chose to keep them and run. Was it perfect? No. Does the passing game need to get better? Yes. But, you know, he didn't. The, the interception, that pick six was ugly, and it really, since you didn't watch, I mean, it changed the whole momentum there in that first first half. I mean, yeah. when the beaver the Beavers go in at halftime with a lead, and Cal's the one jumping around, and Oregon State's kind of mm-hmm. running off with their heads hanging. So, um, but overall, he managed the game well, and I thought he looked um, a little more confident, a little more comfortable. And then just they need he needs to settle down though with the the throws sailing yeah. over the guys' heads. Yeah, and I'm I'm really curious uh, to see kind of what he's going to be like against Utah because now you have a better, a more vaunted front seven. Uh, in the offensive line, again, we have a damn question about the offensive line, so we'll we'll save the offensive line conversation for when we get to those questions. Um, but I really want to see how he's going to respond because it, I, I, I'm pretty sure – did you have time to read the, the Gina Mizell piece on his confidence on Oregon Live? I thought that was a really good piece. It was a good piece. J- just about kind of 
where he's at mentally and what he deals with and how for an athlete it's really it's a real thing to go through the struggles and stop believing in yourself and even though he threw two picks and 85 yards like he still rushed for 100 he had two touchdowns uh including the go-ahead one I really want to see how he's going to respond in this one because I think that's a game against Cal that he, he builds that confidence back where it was maybe against Minnesota Exactly. And that, and especially at quarterback, confidence is such a huge thing. And, and the line is giving him more time. So that helps with the confidence as well. Yeah. I think that's going to be really key to, to watch his game. Cause I think if they're going to compete with Utah, you, you're not getting that done with 85 yards and two picks. Um, no, no. Now, if you go for 474, and again, Kyle Whittingham basically saying, we give up that, I mean, you're probably doomed because the team's controlling the clock, they're controlling everything. You go for 474, fine. I just don't believe they're going to go for that amount again. And so 85 yards and two picks is not going to get it done. No, no. And with Ryan Nall still questionable, I yeah. And even if he plays, I, I don't know how you know 100% he will be. They're going to need to be able to do, do something. Although the weather forecast sounds like it could be atrocious. So mm-hmm. they might have to be grounding and pounding it on the ground. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be very pretty. Kind of a monsoon over there in Corvallis. Uh, I think they're calling for like 55 and just a torrential downpour and maybe 20 degrees of wind. Uh, so that doesn't sound like a ton of fun. So maybe both teams kind of struggle because when you're playing in those conditions, uh, weird weather kind of dictates a weird game. So we'll kind of see how Especially if out. it gets breezy down there. I mean, I've I've even seen as much as like 50-mile-an-hour winds, depending on how close to shore this uh, front comes. So now that would be insane, wouldn't it? Mean, can you it? imagine? No, I can't. I mean, there and it kind of swirls down there in the field anyway, so... You get a breeze down there. I mean, it's seriously going to be just a run attack. It might be a, you know, seven to six game or something crazy. All right, I want to uh, I want to ask you about this too because uh, I was at the bar during the fourth quarter live, and then of course I rewatched it on Sunday. Can you raise your hand in honesty and tell me you thought the Beavers were going to lose when they gave up twenty four points in the fourth <laughs> quarter? I was nervous. I, I just thought, you know, I guess I guess I'm going to be very honest and say. Yikes, this is going to suck because they're so close and yet they're not going to get it done. I thought they were going to lose. I'm not going to lie. My mind went through. I said, oh my yeah. gosh, they tied the game. They're going to lose this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, even on the Pac-12 network, if you if you go rewatch that, uh, go rewind to the, the, the Pac-12 network game and you watch the reaction to Cal after they got the tying field. Oh, they there. were jumping around. Yes. And, yeah. They looked like a team with all the... Remember the Huskies two, three years ago? It was yep, a when night... they were dancing around. Yes, when they were winning like 50 to nothing. They were dancing around. Like, there was just the momentum and swag on their side. And it kind of felt like that's what Cal had taken from Oregon State after getting off such a strong start against the Bears. Yeah. No, I, I did. I, I thought, oh, we're doomed. But it, w- it was nice to see them come back and... You know, and hold. You know, the defense actually, after giving up so many points, to actually hold hold them to a field goal was huge. Oh, I thought that. I thought that was the turning point. Like I said, you know, Oregon State could get a touchdown on the Cal defense, but can Oregon State stop the Cal offense? And uh, they've been close a couple times. You know, there was there yeah. was a goal stand. I don't know if it was third or fourth quarter where the defense held them on three downs, and you know they they punched it in, but. Um, yeah, I didn't know if Oregon State could stop them. Yeah. Well, thank God Cal kept being stupid and throwing wide receiver screens for whatever <laughs> reason. And, you know, they did so much better when they were running that fast, up-tempo stuff, and I, I don't know. know why they stopped that. Yeah, I, I didn't really follow their game plan there. Um, you kind of came – they came out flat, which that happens in games with college kids. Like, it, But then you were able to come back. I don't know. There was just – part of their game plan, I was kind of like – 
you don't seem like you're being very cow, which, look, the, that leads to a beaver win, so that's fine. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, wide receiver screens that are three yards behind, like, okay, occasionally you want to do that. They did it like three straight times in a row. Yeah. Um, I thought that fourth down run that they had that the kids scored on, it was like 30 yards. It was fourth and nine or fourth and 12, and he popped it because it was a delayed draw. That's a good play call, and they didn't run it in overtime. They just kept going to the end zone. Like, I didn't really understand what they were trying to do. Um, but hey, doesn't matter. The Beavs get the win anyway. And uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Let me just throw this out there real quick Uh-oh. in case I forget. Go look at the Pac 12 standings. You know who's below Oregon yes. State? I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, yeah. talk about fireable offenses. Oregon State should not be above <laughs> you at any point this year. They're not at that level of a team. I don't even yeah. care if it's one win. Come on. You kidding me right now? It's it, great. It, it, it's comedy. Oh, it's absolutely uh, beautiful. Okay, so before we get to damn questions, I did want to address one little thing, uh, if you would allow me the time. I will. Go okay. for it. And I actually want you to chime in on this one, okay? Because okay. I think it's important for what I'm going to bring up for you to give your two cents and and kind of give listeners out there who maybe, let's say, aren't Beaver Blitz subscribers, right? We have a ton of, of Blitz subscribers that listen to the podcast. We appreciate and love you. But for people out there that maybe don't listen or that do listen and maybe don't subscribe to Blitz yet, I do want them to hear this too. Okay. So we interviewed you on my radio show on Wednesday and we talked recruiting. And I'll just tell you right now as a radio host, people always complain about, you know, you don't cover my team enough. Oregon State fan does this a lot on social media. Oh, you're not talking bees. They just won. First of all, establish some winning and people will talk about you. I love the Beavers. I do. I'm in the ratings business. I'm in the what do people care about business. And I'm telling you right now, we do Oregon State segments. We'll get three people that will text in. We do duck segments, and I will get about 150, including 10 Beaver fans, texting in. People care about the ucks. I, I know you don't like to hear that, but they do. So I have to do a lot of reading. I, I, I read about Oregon, Washington, Washington State, other Pac-12 schools, NFL, baseball, basketball, obviously with the Blazers. I do a ton of reading. So we have you on the show, and I ask you a question about a JC transfer named Craig Evans, and I couldn't remember where I'd seen it, but I, during the interview, asked you, hey, I heard about this Craig Evans kid, and I saw somewhere, because I can't, if I don't remember some, usually I'll say that, which I've done it a million times on my radio show. I said, I saw somewhere that this kid is attached to another player. And immediately I got on social media and I get people that are like calling me out saying I'm trying not to credit Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian for the work that he did on finding that story. And that turned into a whole back and forth with me and Nimick. And he wasn't he wasn't mean about it. We had a back and forth. He thinks I genuinely kind of was blatant about it. Um, But I would just like to clear the air now and say, guys, if you don't work in radio, Please shut the bleep up because until you do, until you walk a mile in someone's shoes and do what they do, uh, you don't understand. And point blank, I have no problem saying, hey, Angie, uh, have you heard what Andrew Nimick has? Because you have always been honest on this podcast when we talk about recruiting stuff or even if we talk off the air or on the radio show about, oh, yeah, I did see that. And this is what I found out about that. And I just never have believed that it's been this in this business of protecting Blitz to the point of saying, I can't even say Andrew Nimick's name. I thought that was an absolute joke. Yeah, I completely, I, you know, I don't know what happened. I, um, what I can say from my end, um, 
from my experience, this is recruiting. We're not talking rocket science here. I've been doing this. Well, it'll give away my age, I guess, but I've been doing it almost <laughs> 11 years now. I've yeah. been covering recruiting. It's changed a ton. But um, I'll tell you right now, uh, pretty much guaranteed, Andrew Nemec and whoever else is covering recruiting, we're all talking to the kids. We're all getting pretty much the same information. So um, it's not I – didn't, I didn't have that story. I guess Andrew Nemec did. And mm-hmm. you know, to be fair, I don't re- – you read. You have to read so much, you know, do, in, in yeah. your line of work. You have to. I don't. I don't read as much just because I'm constantly trying to get a hold of these kids or their coaches. Um, I, I talk to a ton of analysts. I talk to coaches. I talk to trainers. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that. come on, fans, you got to know better that, I mean, this stuff's on social media. The kids are tweeting it. They're out putting it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Coaches, trainers are talking to Andrew Nemec. They're talking to myself. Mm-hmm. They're talking to Justin Hopkins at, a, at another, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not like this is some top secret. Now, do we have different sources for different things? Of course. I mean, it's not to say that I might not have some different information. And I mean, gosh, yesterday we had, I, I got a hold of all the, the scout analysts and said, hey, I'm running a little sale here. Give me a little nuggets of info. And I got some great stuff about some of these, a couple four-star wide receivers that um, have Oregon State really high up now um, on their list that visited Andrew or um, Isaiah Hodgins and Jamari Calvin. Um, so we had some great info. There's a, a, you know, a couple schools that they've cut off that might surprise some people. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, we're all basically talking, you know, a lot of the same people. And, you know, it sets maybe blitz apart is for me in my opinion is our community and, and the lodge it's a it's the members message board and so many great discussions take place there and it's a place where beaver fans are just having that banter back and forth of it. you know you feel like you're sitting around the same people at your at the games and you're being able to say hey what's going on with this or what's going on with that or you know, we have Peter Peter Osborne that he seriously watches the film and breaks down every offensive line play and every grade each lineman. So we have a trench report. Mm-hmm. It's making me a smarter uh, writer, a, a smarter fan to watch the offensive line. Or, you know, we have Jeff Perry who does baseball. I mean, I can't even tell you how many hours he spends, you know, breaking down some of this baseball stuff for our members. So, you know, for me, that's what kind of sets us apart. I didn't mean to turn this into a, a blitz commercial, but – no, yeah. Um, but gosh, Brandon, don't worry about it. I mean, I, I'm sure you've done the same. You know, you might have read something on Blitz that you didn't say Angie had. It's, I, it's not like you're trying to protect anyone. No, yeah, it, I mean... You know, like I said, we have the same sources. And, and that that's kind of my whole thing. And again, this is not me on the podcast like, hey, I'm calling out Andrew Nimick. I'm not. I, I, I've had him on my radio show before. I follow him. Like, he does a good job for what he does, and that's cover recruiting. I also follow Angie, and I do do a podcast with Angie, but... Like this notion that I'm like protecting or I'm not, I'm purposely not crediting. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, do you know how many stories during my radio show, which I always appreciate when people hear a snippet and they go, hey, they don't do it. They don't properly credit. How often do you listen? Oh, you listened to one time. Okay, great. Thanks for having the opinion. Yeah. Do you know how many stories I've read that I basically go, you know, I was reading the other day about, and then I'll talk about the athlete or coach or, or thing that I saw from the story. It happens. It happens. Like if I see a story and it's, you know, I just saw it, I'm going to remember some of the stories. I'm going to remember where I saw other things, Twitter, Facebook, websites. I mean, I can't tell you how many different outlets there are now as a radio host to where I'm always checking all of these things. And sometimes this information 
gets bundled up into my mind. And I, if I would have remembered yesterday interviewing you, you wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, you mentioned Andrew Nimick. I'm going to hang the phone up. You would have no. been like, maybe you would have been like, oh, oh, I hadn't heard that. But you know what? That wouldn't surprise me because kids and JCs usually like to come in pairs or they establish these friendships. And you would have given me some honest feedback on it. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, I don't do a podcast because I'm in bed with Blitz. I do a podcast with you because you're a really cool person. Uh, I've met your husband a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. Uh, we've always gotten along since I got in media, and I genuinely like interacting. And, and let's not forget, Brandon, when you when I met you, you were actually working for the other site. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, we could be friends, Gina. I mean, Gina's great. Yes. I talked to her, Danny. They're great. I I tweeted Gina a funny little video today. I thought she'd like. I mean. We spend way too much time, all of us in the media, I think, to worry. You know, we have to get along and. I mean, you know. even even in the radio business, Angie, because you're right about that. Which, by the way, I mean, you got plenty of outlets here for Oregon State coverage. You got our podcast. We thank you for listening. You have Gina's podcast. I'm sure she's appreciative of people who listen. You have options here, and that's the cool thing. And I will say, in radio, radio versus like TV and even some writing tends to be a little more like competitive. Where I don't know, you hate, but. You're like, oh, I go against the guy. I don't like him. And I've done that before on the podcast where I won't mention the guy I go against 12 to 3, um, the bald-headed columnist. But I will say, like, for example, you go on that show. I don't – who cares? Like, I get it. You're, no, they don't have – he doesn't have me on. But, but, you've, but you've been on the radio station <laughs> yeah, before, yeah, and I definitely. compete against it. I don't yeah. sit here and hold a grudge. Like, at the end of the day – we all may respect each other. We have to look out for ourselves. Like we're yeah. we're in a dog eat dog world. So uh, and, and really, it's it's media. It's it's changing so rapidly. Yes. I mean, um, now with all these sites now that are doing all the where they basically do just regurgitate. They don't credit anybody. They're just out regurgitating. You know what they're reading. So yeah. I mean, it's a totally different world, and you know, even the way we cover a commitment at Blitz has changed a ton mm-hmm. since back in the day when it was really cool. You'd get the breaking commit. You know, I, I'll never forget Brandon Cooks committing, and I had the story ready to go the night before it went public, and you know, we had it. We were it was like our exclusive for at least you know maybe a half an hour. Uh-huh. You know, now a commit is nothing. You know, yeah. a commit is you know kids on Twitter and, and you get something up. It's the breakdown and the analysis and the and the stuff you do after that or yeah. following them. But no, it's it's changing. But hey, no worries. You can mention whoever you need to mention. Yeah. Andrew Nimick, Andrew Nimick, Andrew Nimick. There you go. I mentioned the name a million times on a podcast with Angie. Okay, so people need to calm down. You need to understand. And hey, Beaver fan, I, I hear it a lot that you know the Ducks get too much coverage. But here we are. We're talking about beavers. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like beaver fan that complains about coverage in the Portland market cracks me up because they tweet the same person uh, that they claim to not like very much. And they go, why don't you talk more of this? And I'm like, dude, why don't you come over to 1080 The Fan? Because we actually have the number one sports radio show, 12 to 3. It's not even close. And we've done a half hour on beavers every single day. And we interviewed Kyle Whittingham. It always I know. Cracks. How'd you score that? Well, you just email. It's, you email yeah. and ask. It's It cracks me up. This perception yeah. that people have on like... Social media changes what the reality is in the media climate. And I, I deal with that a lot in radio because of the person I compete against. The guy's got like 55,000 Twitter followers. He's a columnist for a newspaper. Like people think that's the the go-to. And I mean, I'm not saying this to like just brag. I'm just saying the reality is it's not even close. Like people don't listen to that show. So stop bitching and complaining to the person that doesn't matter and start paying attention to people that are talking about the Beavers and that's us, that's this podcast, that's Gina's podcast, that's anywhere else you go that's Oregon State related. 
Stop complaining about coverage and go find it. It's not rocket surgery here, folks. It's out there. I promise. Yep. So sorry, I wanted to get that little uh, that little thing off my chest. Okay, do you want to do some damn questions? Let's do some damn questions. Let's do it. Okay, I've got a couple here. Um, well, I we, we I'll go with this one. Action Jackson on Beaver Blitz says, "Why are we playing some of the true freshmen now, like Hughes, Murray, Whitson, etc.?" So yeah. you know, um, it comes down to a needing the bodies, and b these guys are finally developed enough that they're ready to go. So, um, you know, the staff feels for whatever reason that they're ready to play. Now, I've gone back and forth because at one point, you know, I'm not for burning a red shirt right now if all you're going to let these kids do is go play some special teams coverage. But, you know, like with Joa and these guys, they're getting – they're playing. I mean, they're being introduced to big boy football now. So Mm -hmm. there are seven games left. It's not like we're down to the last game. Seven games left. They're going to be hitting Utah, Washington, some big-time smash-mouth – football get them ready early and get their you know feet wet yeah not a bad thing no i completely agree with you if you go to special teams i actually get pissed about that and i'd prefer those kids to not burn the red shirts over special teams uh but when you put them in the rotations whether that's the defensive fronts the secondary offense what have you uh if you're going to put them in, in the regular rotation i'm all for it and i, I know there's some guys that that people wonder about if a true freshman um, Mason Moran was a was a big thing earlier, uh, early on in the season when the quarterback play started struggling. But like, if you're going to play a, a a linebacker or a defensive lineman and, and burn a redshirt and play him as a true, uh, if he's in the rotation, I'd prefer that actually because I think that just adds to the depth for next season and you gave him the experience as well. Uh, you can't put a price tag on that, folks. You really can't. Like special teams, great. The kid played kickoff coverage. He knows how to run down 50 yards and try to make a tackle. It's another to be in-game, reading the offensive uh, kind of alignments and understanding where his coverages are or which you know which gap responsibility is going to be his. You start getting in that rotation, I'm all for true freshman playing, especially at this juncture for Oregon State. And, and it does another thing with recruiting because it, it gives the coaches and they can t- they're already telling these kids, hey, come in. If you're better, you can play. I mean, and they tell the, the current players that, look, we're trying to recruit players that are better than you, so you better keep your game up. So it shows those guys, hey, they will play true freshmen. A guy like Mason Rand, there's, there's that other fine line of making sure you have your classes balanced, mm-hmm. and so you don't want a whole, you know, you don't want your, your quarterbacks all jumped, you know, jumbled up there in that sophomore range because then you're going to have guys graduating. You don't have a nice even spread. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it shows recruits you're playing, freshmen Which you're not afraid that, to. That's important right now, I think, for Oregon State. And, and I know we kind of have, uh, or maybe you just read it, but I think we have another question kind of going against that uh, about true freshmen. I don't know if you have it in front of you, Angie. I'll have to scroll and find it. Uh, but somebody kind of asking the same question but the opposite way of should they play more true freshmen um, because aren't they preaching to these recruits, hey, come to Oregon State, you play right away. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a good argument. Okay, I'll, I'll go scroll for, for it, but okay, here's wait. one from What in the Blue Hell, OSU. Okay. He says, solutions to the non-existent vertical passing game. And does this place Moran as the front runner for next year based on Daryl Garrettson's inability to be accurate? Uh, um, I still think it's too early to identify who's like the, the quarterback for next season. If Garrettson can play better statistically than he did against Cal – and they're close with a few more teams. Because if you if you can beat Cal, I think you can be close to Arizona at home. 
Uh, the Ducks' defense is an absolute disgrace. I think you can, you should be able at least to run the ball and maybe move it through the air. Uh, and maybe another game that I'm not thinking about at the top of my head. If you can keep it close with some other games, maybe win one more and surprise the hell out of some people, and Gerritsen plays well, I don't think it's a given that Mason Moran plays next year. But if he does struggle and you're going in and out with him and Blount, uh, I absolutely, and I'll get on this train now, with the experience they'll have at skill positions and on the defense and offensive fronts, I think it's going to be really important to play a true freshman. And I know with a true freshman, maybe they take their lumps, um, but I think with the experience they have around, maybe they can hover around that five or six win season anyway. Plus you get the kid experience and we're seeing it with Jake Browning in Washington. I know they're a much better defensive unit than Oregon state probably will be in five years, but the kid played as a true freshman, looked lost, took his lumps, came back and now look at him. He's a Heisman trophy candidate. So I I think it's pretty important to get these kids as many reps as quick as you can. I I completely agree. Then Aaron, I'm tying onto that. Aaron Walker on Twitter asks, do you feel that fact that Gerritsen hadn't played for over a year has led to some of his struggles? Oh, I think that's a really good question. By yeah, way, and, and he said, you know, like nobody's been talking about this. But that, I mean, that made me kind of stop and go, huh, good point. I don't like that you completely agree. Well, it's, it's something to think about. He did play, though, the scout team, so what, but he wasn't taking live reps. So Yeah, and it, that, the scout team versus, like, what you're doing now is, I mean, it's taking almost live night, bullets. It's yeah. night and day, too. Plus, you're not even running your offense. <laughs> True. You're, you're running the opponents to get your defense ready. Um, but I know he worked out a ton with his receivers, even during last year. So Don't you feel like, I'll say this, uh, I, I feel like there's some merit to that. Doesn't it kind of also feel like a cop-out a little bit? Because the kid played as a true freshman at Utah State. Uh, I think he was there two years. Then he transfers. He plays last year on the scout team, goes through the offseason, has fall camp, plays well against Minnesota, looked like a, an established quarterback. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily not playing for a year, opposed to the offensive line literally breaking down and yeah, him losing I mean, confidence in himself. I mean, seriously, with that Minnesota game, I mean – that poor kid. He took some shots in that game, he even when he got the ball shot. off. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. So what, um, do you, what do you think on that then? Do I think, you know, I, I it made me stop and pause, but I, I don't think it really has that much bearing. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it made me stop and really kind of say, hmm. It was one of those things that make you say, hmm. I think there's some merit to it, but I think overall because of the time. In because he looked camp, better. I, I mean, I thought he looked better, his best throwing the ball against Minnesota, the first game of the season. So Yeah, and how do you explain um, going from that to what that he's too, been? Exactly. So I think that's a confidence issue. Yeah. Um, Noel Bosco on Twitter, which I have to give Noel a major shout-out because yesterday when we were doing this little flash sale at Beaver Blitz, he actually went on and said, hey, the trench report alone that you guys put out is worth the nine ninety five a month. That's so, awesome. Noel, Thank you. I'm glad you're reading. Um, he wants to know, he, he loves the O-line. He wants to know how the O-line depth is looking. Is anyone else getting healthy? Um, and there's some, some same questions on defense. I, I know that Fred Lowina is probable this week, but heck, I like what they're doing. I wouldn't mess with it right now. Uh, I love Fred Lowina, but I'm sorry. I, I don't I, I don't know how you how you change it up. I oh, mean, I mean, Lavaca has been doing well, and then I love Gavin Andrews at center. Yep, Andrews, uh, Stanton back, feeling better. I, I don't. Yeah, why would you, I don't know why you change Can't it. Four seventy four. Yeah, <laughs> just go back to four seventy four. I, I mean, I did. 
I, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, guys coming back from injury or plug and play, but I think you have found your group till they prove otherwise. Let them go against Utah. If they get, I'll tell you right now, if they go get 230 yards against Utah, win or lose, uh, I think you may have your group. And Fred Lewina is not going to be on the field for a long time because I, I, I don't know how you disrupt the chemistry. I don't know how you disrupt the rhythm. Um, so let's wait and see what they do against Utah. I don't want anybody changed on the, uh, off that offensive line that was there against Cal. Yeah, no, I thought it was perfect. But I, I can't find it. Now, I'm not going to be giving credit to the right person because I can't find this either, but I believe it was a Twitter question. Okay. Did Oregon State pull the trigger too fast on Seth Collins quarterbacking? Um, I'm going to say no. I got that question. I want to find where's the credit for that. Because I, my problem with that is, is not that he – I mean, I, he is a special athlete. We knew that when he was a quarterback last year. But that's from Aaron Walker again. Yeah. Okay, okay, Aaron Walker. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I think he has a potential to be a very special wide receiver. Like I said, watching him block, he's still pretty raw, but he's such an amazing athlete and such a competitor. Now I, I do worry every once in a while that he's going to you know mouth off a little too much and, and yeah. get in trouble. But he has fire, and uh, I, I didn't like his game management as a quarterback. So I, um, I think he's in a great position right now. I think those are good points. Let me say this, though. This is a little bit of a, a humble brag. So last year we talked a lot about the quarterback position and Seth Collins not looking like the part. And, you know, people, all I got last year was Daryl Gerritsen. Don't worry, Daryl Gerritsen's going to be great next year. They got Gerritsen, no big deal. They'll get through this year. Seth Collins is not a good quarterback. Minus the Minnesota game, Seth Collins and Daryl Garrettson statistically are the same player. If not, Seth Collins is probably a little better. So I'll say I don't think they pulled the trigger too fast of pulling Seth Collins because I don't think he's a natural quarterback. But I've also not been impressed with what they've replaced Seth Collins with. But I I, I can't argue your point on wide receiver. I don't know how you've watched him play, seen the, the great catches, seen the downfield blocking, the speed, the athleticism and you want him to play any other position than what he's doing. It's just frustrating that they can't get the ball uh, to him. in their hands and to him yeah. more often. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so i got one here from Freezer12 on okay. Beaver Blitz. He wants to know, now that we're a few games into the season, what are our revised predictions for the Beavers? Ooh. So let me pull up their schedule real quick. And then what Beavers do you think are most deserving of Pac-12 honors at this point? Oh, that's a deal. Tristan Deku. Tristan Deku is a no-brainer first-team All-Pac-12. He is, I was reading uh, Pro Football Focus does college work too. He was a week ago, two weeks ago, he was the number one cornerback in college football in terms of what he's giving up in coverage. And I can't imagine that he was moved at all after the Cal performance. So Tristan Deku's not just been the best cornerback cover cornerback in the conference. He's been the best cover cornerback in college football. And by the way, that's including Jabril Peppers from Michigan. So Tristan Deku is a no-brainer first-team yeah, All-Pac-12. Amazing. I mean, just what he's done. Perepsky, I think, would have to be in the discussion for Pac-12 honors. Uh, I like Perepsky. I think Washington's punter has been pretty damn good as well. Yeah, he's been pretty money. Um, I'm trying to think of Mr. Bolden, do you have him on your list? No. No. He hasn't. What has he done? I mean... I don't yeah. want to be mean, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to be mean. Outside of that, man, Deku and Perevsky might yeah, be their only guys right now. Guys, right now. Um, win loss wise, what would you change? Would you change anything? What did I? I think I had them at five. I I think I think Oregon and Arizona are still within reach. Okay. 
So that's four, and I guess this is the swing game. Yeah, because you have Utah, then you're at, you're not winning at UW, no, and then yeah. Washington, Washington State. At home, that'll be interesting, but they've kind of come along as of late. Do you know what you're, game wouldn't shock me at this UCLA? point? UCLA. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that game for whatever reason. Rosen getting banged up. There's an element of Jim Mora like yeah, coaching, <laughs> like screaming at people, but not actually making a difference for his team. They wear baby blue. <laughs> they wear powder blue. <laughs> like, couldn't you see Gary Anderson going into the Rose Bowl and just punching him in the mouth and pulling yeah. off an upset? I mean, you could. You could. I'm not going to go there, though. I think you see. Yeah, I, it's on the road. That's going to be a tough one. And Oregon State historically has had trouble playing in the Rose Bowl. Um, um, but Arizona and Oregon. So that would give you four, so you'd go down from what your preseason was. Oh, and then Stanford. Stanford's looking Stanford's looking like Stanford. Yeah, but, I mean, can't you see them running the ball in the Beavers? Oh, completely, completely. Uh, yeah, because that's what Cal was able to do. They couldn't throw it. All they do, could do is run it. Yeah. So I, I guess I – I mean, I think I had five wins at the beginning of the season. I have it still maybe at four. Yeah. But, like I said, this Utah game is, is intriguing to me. But um, I just – I do think Utah has too many horses. Um. I'll go by their schedule, and I'm not going to try to get wrapped up. I honestly don't think it's – they may finish with not another win. I hope I'm wrong on that on November 26th, which, by the way, I'll have information on tailgate in a couple weeks. I'll be tailgating for the Civil War if anybody's interested. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't think right now I'd pick another win. My preseason was definitely the under on the three-and-a-half wins. I'll yeah, stick to that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's coming. Um, um, and then I have one more here from Jump Drive. Jump Drive, we love you. Yep. He's a longtime blitzer. Um, he wants to know if there will be any surprise commitments for the Beavers um, February in February or before. These are I'm going to go out on a limb right now, and I'm going to tell you all my like top guys. Oh, okay. Here we go. This is a this is a you question, by the way. There's no yeah, doubt this, about uh, it. Yeah, this is and because yeah, Brandon does. I know he reads a ton, so he has me on that. But. I read a lot and talk to a lot of recruiters. You are the recruiting expert on this podcast. That is no what I do a yep. lot, yep. talking to these high school football players and junior college football players. So, first of all, big visitor this weekend in Brandon Peely. I don't know if you've heard of Brandon Peely, Adam, but if you haven't, you need to. He um, moved down here this summer from Alaska just to kind of pick up his his uh, recruitment a little bit. He's a big-time D-tackle, him. He plays at Westview out in Beaverton. Okay. So um, Ryan Atkinson, Alex Linden-Cole, and James Dockery are, are some of the coaches there. So there's there's some beavers there. You will get those guys if they're going to remain the coaches. <laughs> yes. So, I know um, Dockery too well. Brand, this Brandon Peely kid, I not even heard of him. First game of the season, I go to Sherwood. Wanted to go check out Josh Bocut and um, David Morris. It's in my backyard. So we, we go. This Brandon Peely is amazing. Like, athletic de-tackle, moves well. Coach Anderson and Coach Woods happened to be at the game, um, yet the kid got an offer the next day. Jeez. So super good. He is visiting this weekend. He has to be, like, one of the Beavers' top targets. They're, you know, they're not getting Marlon Tui-Pelotu, the big de-tackle out of um, Palomas. He's going to Washington. So this is, like, this is the Beavers' guy. I mean, USC just offered recently. I've heard it's down to Oregon State, Washington and USC, but Washington has not offered. So uh, this is going to be a big weekend for Oregon State with that one. Craig Evans, we were just talking about him at the JUCO Arizona Western. And then Keyshawn Nixon, who has always kind of liked the Beavers, kind of been back and forth, but now that Craig's in the mix um, and has that long relationship with Coach Chad and Coach Anderson and the crew, 
that those two are both super important. And um, Brian Cole out of East Mississippi um, as another player that I feel could be a difference maker for Oregon State. So those are the ones I'm really, really watching. And then Isaiah Hodgins, Jamiri Calvin, both visited this last weekend, four-star wide receivers. Uh, Jeffrey Manning was the UCLA commit that visited this past weekend. A three-star DB cornerback loved his visit in Oregon State as his leader right now. So um, big-time guys out there. But, um, you know, guys will kind of come and go here in the next couple months as things start to settle down. But um, those Brandon Peely, Craig Evans, Brian Cole, and Keyshawn Nixon are guys I'm watching. As And Deontay Fortenberry, who visited this past weekend, I think we talked about him, a cornerback out of San Francisco City. I actually thought he would have committed by now, so I'm kind of waiting to see um, what, what's the deal with, with him. But um, he loved his trip and was going to go home and talk to his coaches. But Wow. That's good news then. That is a lot of Beaver recruiting stuff for you. Jeez but, um, Louise. You guys got the bonus bonus coverage today. That's why you're Blitz members. Um, I did want to throw the, one more question, and then we'll get to the uh, the Utah game real quick because we are kind of running against it here. My daughter's got swim class. i got to get to that. Um Greg Harden asks, in a week two of new online uh, online combo, they break the Pac-12, the school Pac-12 rushing record. Aberration or new normal? I don't think we see 474 again, but I think I think if as long as Ryan Nall stays healthy, I think, or you know Art Pierce, I, I think we see some better rushing. So you think this is maybe the group then for them? Yeah, I think this is the group. Okay, I like that. Uh, I'm going to wait for Utah to honestly give you my opinion going forward. I loved what I saw. So right now, 474, I'll say aberration. But hey, this is where I I think giving an opinion, this is the beauty of it. I'm hoping I'm wrong on this. So the next time we do the podcast, we talk about and say, hey, they may not have won or maybe they won. And could you believe they rushed for 200 plus yards on the ground and Ryan Nall went for 150. If they do that, and I say that, that's a good sign, and I think it's the new normal, not an aberration. But right now, uh, I think they just caught Cal sleeping to start the game. They they built a great lead, too much of a deficit. Cal scored 24 points in the fourth and only went to overtime and then ended up losing. Um, so Oregon State deserves a ton of credit for how they came out and how they played. Um, but I, I want to see what they do against Utah because Utah's got a really good front seven, and I want to see if you can move the ball at all on the ground on them. True. Um, okay, so Utah Utes going into this one. Utah's 5-1. and one. They're sitting atop the Pac-12 South. Uh, I talked to Kyle Whittingham on my radio show. He says the Oregon State rush game has him, has him up all night because only uh, Navy and Air Force runs like that. Um, but what are you expecting coming off of a win uh, at 1 o'clock in Reeser? I expect the Beavers to be up and uh, ready to go. I don't think we see them sleeping. I think Coach Anderson and staff will get these guys up from the get-go. Um, we talked to Baker Pritchard earlier in the week, and, and he said, you know, Coach Anderson preaches this is, just, this is another big Pac-12 game, but he said the passion is there. You know he wants to beat his former former uh, staff and, you know, coaches and players and friends. And um, I think they come up up, but I think the weather is going to be a huge, huge factor here. So um, I, I'm, I'm – I mean, running – could be difficult. So I think it's going to be low scoring. Mm-hmm. I, I like Utah's, like you said, front seven. They're great. Um, but then again, it's going to be very similar to what Oregon State goes against in practice every day. Yeah. No, I completely. These two teams match up really well. I, mm-hmm. I, 
I think I read they're going with uh, Utah's like third or fourth string running back. Well, they got the Joe Williams kid retired, and then he came back, and they have a true freshman who's been playing for him and actually playing really well. Um, so I don't know who's starting, but I, I think Williams might be back in the fold okay. for them, which okay. is unfortunate for Oregon State's defense because he's a damn good player. Yeah. And watch for this freshman kid. I want to say his, his name's like Mon, Mongolo, Mongo, Mongolo, like – He's, well, he's, and Coach Erickson's the running back coach, and yeah. he can he can uncover some good ones. Yeah, he absolutely can. Okay, so what's the score prediction for you? Um, I'm going 13. Well, it, I I don't even remember what I said for the Utah Ask the Expert because <laughs> I think I yeah I, I should probably stick with one, shouldn't I? I yeah, shouldn't it's be okay. Like, Give two. I mean, we're in, depending is, on you know yeah. I, it, I'm talking to you, so it's going to be this. Yeah, and I'm talking to. Um, okay, what's your, what's your prediction while I find mine here? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay, you know. So I actually think the weather is going to suck. I don't think it will be quite as bad as we're projecting. Um, I just never trust the weatherman here in the Northwest. I've grown up with them telling me it's going to be partially sunny and it rains all day or it's going to snow and then it gets like not even a millimeter. So I have a hard time believing it. I'm more of a I'll believe it when I see it guy. I think it will rain. I think it will be a little windy, but I don't think it will be quite as bad as they're projecting. So I don't think it'll play as big a factor. I think Utah's going to be ready to go. I think the Beavers will be ready to go. Uh, I think the first quarter is going to be slow starting, maybe a 7-3 to three into the first quarter type thing. But I think ultimately that front seven is more vaunted, more tough than Cal's. I think Kyle Whittingham's going to have his team more focused. Sonny Dykes tends to have his teams a little lackadaisical. Um, but I like Oregon State to keep it close until about the mid-fourth quarter point and Utah to pull away maybe 27 I'll say to I'll say 13. I'll okay. say 27-13 around kind of where Vegas has it where it's around a two touchdown spread. Wouldn't bet it. Uh never bet against the Beavers. I learned that last year. Uh actually coincidentally against Utah cuz it was a 23 point spread and they lost 23 to 12. But uh I think Oregon State keeps it close and I just think cuz of their styles and their relationship knowing each other as well as they do um, both guys have a little bit of an advantage in knowing what the other's maybe tendencies are. Yeah, it, yeah. So I just found mine, my prediction that I sent to Ute Zone, uh, the Scout Utah site. And, you know, I, I did say that it's very, it's hard to predict right now because of so much inconsistency, but I went with Utah winning 24-18. 24-18. Wow, that's a pretty damn close game. So that's what I went with. So that's I'm not going to have 57 predictions. I'm going with my one prediction. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, anything else you want to add? That's what I've got. I think I think it'll be a good game, and go Beavs. I agree with that. All right. So uh, we got our predictions. Hey, we were wrong last week. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people are pulling us for it to be wrong again. I can't even begin to tell you how incredible of a, an upset it would be for Oregon State to beat uh, Utah you talk about program-defining wins. I think it'd be hard for me not to buy into that that's it uh, for Gary Anderson. So beaverblitz.com. Go check out all the latest on the recruiting. Good practice yeah, we'll have uh, If they win, I'll just throw this out there. If the Beavers win on Saturday, check out social media or uh, check out uh, Facebook or Twitter, and uh, we'll be running a promotion. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that will happen. And then also, you guys better go check out Brandon's interview with Whittingham because that's – going to be good. Yeah, I just tweeted it out at Brandon Spray. Go check it out. It's really good stuff. Kyle Whittingham is one of the best interviews in the Pac-12. Really honest. Uh, I talk about his relationship with Gary Anderson, what's keeping him up at night versus Oregon State. 
Uh, he talks about his team playing in a monsoon. And I also bring up the fact of how come his name or what's it like when your name does get brought up for another job. He's a damn good football coach, and there's going to be a lot of programs uh, looking for a new guy. So go check that interview out. Follow Angie on Twitter at Angie Machado one beaverblitz.com. I'm Brandon Sprague at Brandon Sprague on Twitter, 1080 the fan dirt and Sprague noon to three. We'll check back with you guys next week and see if Oregon state can contend, if not pull an upset against Utah, go beefs.